This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. All of the stories you're about to hear about can be found on the Liverpool Echoes website right now. And to give an overview of them, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the phone by the Liverpool Echoes sports audience editor, Sean Bradbury. Sean, how are you, mate? Very well, pal, yeah, not bad at all. I'll switch with you. All right, the kids are driving me slightly mad. It's six or seven weeks <laughs> being locked down with them now, but we've got to move over our heads and uh, we're all healthy, so I can't complain too much. But I don't know about you, I'm still I'm still missing the football. I think I say this on Podcast Mogs Day and I know it's not the most important thing in the world, but you do miss it, don't you? Oh, I know. It's just, I thought, well, don't think I would have ever gone this long without watching a, a proper game of football. I'd, I'd pay to watch the Echo five side, I think, at the minute. <laughs> Yeah, don't tell Sam Carroll that. He will definitely take you up on that when we eventually get down to the pits near uh, Anfield and Goodison. Uh, yeah, we'll get on on the way then, mate. It's, it's, it is actually our seventh week now, starting today, without football since the Liverpool Atletico Madrid match. And as you say, as the weeks and days pass by, there is more and more talk about when it will return. And late yesterday afternoon, UEFA released their latest statements, which was and, and continues to be really well read on the Echoes website. Can you just tell us a, a little bit about that? Yeah, so... Um, message came from UAC yesterday. They had this big video conference of all its 55 member associations. Don't know whether they're using Zoom or House Party or whatever, but yeah, everyone <laughs> everyone chipped in and uh, had had their say. And yeah, basically, it seemed like a, a general kind of softening of their stance. That was certainly my my take on it because they previously almost insisted that any leagues within their kind of um, you know domain, if they wanted to end their seasons, that would be a last resort and. It kind of flowed the idea of clubs and I suppose countries essentially being denied access to the European competitions if they did cancel. Um, and yeah, that, that, I think that was at the start of the month, and it did seem like a bit of a bit of a callous threat, really. But I could kind of see UEFA's point. You know, they distressed how interdependency was key to all their competitions, and I suppose from their perspective, that that is the case, isn't it? They want they want everyone to be on the same page so they can organise things. But then this statement yesterday um, did seem like it signalled a bit of a change of tone. So rather than this this kind of strong directive they're saying now there's a strong recommendation given uh, to finish domestic top divisions and cup competitions so kind of seems like it's less of a command and more of a best case scenario so a little bit of a climb down and I suppose a bit of an acceptance of reality really because as much as UEFA govern football you know they don't govern public health they don't govern countries do they so um, I, I think in that respect it's, it's quite good it's a bit of realism coming from them here and they, and they said well, this strong recommendation is, is their position. You know, they, they want leagues and cup competitions to be finished if they can. He said, we understand there may be some special cases and indicated they're developing guidelines around what would happen in the case of a cancelled cup or a cancelled league, what that would then mean for entry into the Champions League or the Europa League or whatever. So I think they're being a little bit more long-sighted and a bit more realistic. Um, and then, yeah, they said any developments on these issues in terms of league cancellations and their guidelines and stuff, would be announced after a, another meeting this Thursday. The UEFA Executive Committee is going to meet. Um, so yes, Thursday we'll be we'll be watching with interest, and I think we're going to come on to, you know, specific leagues and and what has been indicated so far. But I suppose in a general sense, from a Liverpool perspective, um, as you mentioned, we know Paul Gorse has written this piece about it's kind of a comment piece on this today, and ultimately, yeah, while whilst UEFA have softened their position, it's clear that they still want leagues to be finished. That's still their best case scenario, and. Ultimately, that's still Liverpool's best case scenario, isn't it? If they want to try and wrap this title up. 
Yeah, I definitely would advise people to have a, a read of Gorsty's latest piece. It, it talks about how UEFA is actually a powerful ally for, for Liverpool now, whereas maybe sometimes in the past that wasn't the case. But the good news is for Liverpool supporters that, yeah, they want the league finished, the Premier League want the league finished, and, and so do UEFA. But as you were saying there, Sean, there, there has been a softening of the stance that leads other leagues maybe to take a different course of action. And we also, we saw as a consequence of that last night, we've seen something coming from Holland and then something coming from Italy. Two contrasting stories, but both interesting and both probably significant as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so start with the the Dutch one first. All football in Holland postponed until beginning of September, September the 1st, and that's based on government advice. I think this goes back to what we were saying, you know, that's the government's position to battle coronavirus and try and save lives, then there's absolutely no issue the likes of UEFA can take with that. Um, and, it, you know, it, 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 it does spell kind of certain things happening that are out of UEFA's grasp now, really. I, I don't think that's the first one either that we've, that we've heard of where a situation has come about that a league might then have to make a decision. Because you would imagine if, if Dutch football suspended until the 1st of September, they're going to have to make a call on the league. Yeah. You know, in terms of, like, this UEFA meeting yesterday was apparently sketching out various calendars that could be imposed and could be used to get competitions finished. Well, I would imagine all of them would have been presuming that football in some sense would return before September. You'd imagine, you know, June, July, August is what UEFA are looking at. And so, yeah, that's that's the kind of uh, situation in Holland. I mean, I think a couple of weeks ago we heard about Belgium. I'm not entirely sure where this is up to and if it's been kind of rubber stamped, but suggestions at the start of the month that they were going to settle their standings and I think Bruges were going to become champions. Um, and then you'd imagine what UEFA were talking about yesterday in terms of these guidelines. You know, if uh, if you if you settle the league, at least then there probably would be some mechanism to translate that into how how teams would fit into next season's European competition. So I imagine that's the kind of thing they're hoping for if things are cancelled. But then, like you say, that there is certainly a will from the Premier League and, and Syria, as we heard yesterday, they they stressed the kind of unified stance on trying to get the season finished. So. Plenty of the, of the top leagues are still looking to do that. There's suggestions the Bundesliga as well is, is perhaps a bit nearer to behind closed doors return than some other leagues. And you know, that, I think that is the kind of thing you wait for hoping happens with their with their strong recommendation. Um, yeah, I suppose just just looking at that situation in total, it's it's strange, isn't it? You know, we've we've discussed before how individual football pyramids in certain countries have, have become fractured, with some elements avoided and others not. Um, and I suppose up to a few weeks ago, maybe with with Belgium, and then obviously now with with the situation in Holland, that there was almost a kind of unity, albeit perhaps a, an imposed unity from UEFA that there wasn't much of a disparity across its member countries. But now, now that that's being broken down, and and their kind of top down directive for leagues to complete is has broken up. You, you know, you do you do wonder where it'll go. But ultimately, I think it's good that. You know, you, you, UEFA have shown that they will adapt because they were always going to have to at that point. You know, they they don't have jurisdiction, as you said, over over countries and and governments. So, um, you know, the, the fact that they're willing to accept the reality that some leagues are going to have difficulty concluding, and, and others, you know, quite rightly and understandably for other reasons, will will want to finish. Um, I think is a good thing, really. It is. We will see what happens on Thursday at the latest UEFA meeting to transfer matters because even though the big consequences of the coronavirus is, is we just don't know when football's going to return and therefore when the, the season will finish and when the transfer window will open again. But it's only natural 
fans, uh, listeners, readers of all kind of sites are interested in in transfers. And one story that was well read overnight, and it's an interesting one. It regards Jordan Shakiri. I, I think it's fair to say we've been speculating for some time that once the season does finish, that he may leave Liverpool. And comments made by his brother and his agents, same person, uh, certainly don't play down that that idea. No, absolutely. And like I say, I don't think it's much of a surprise. It's been coming this one. But yeah, his brother said, I think there will be many offers further than in the summer. Uh, clubs who were interested in the past in January specifically, he, he believes will knock again, according to, to his phrase. And so, yeah, I think, and he actually said that the names that are out there in the media are the names who are after him. Uh, the ones who were most heavily linked, I think, were Roma, Sevilla, I think CSK and Moscow were, were one of the ones who were touted. Um, yeah, and it, it, it's a strange situation with Shaqiri. I mean, just to kind of review his time at Liverpool, I mean, this season, I think he's only had just above 250 minutes of action all season, which, if you consider that for a player who's 28, still in his prime, you know, clearly capable of playing at a high level, that's not enough, is it? You can totally understand why what he would want to move on. Uh, but I think he's been unlucky this term because injuries have hit as they quite often have for him, to be fair, in his career. You know, you often get these little muscle twinges, doesn't he? Um, but they've hit at precisely the wrong time, like when he was going to get a little run in a cup. And Klopp said as much, you know, even before matches on, on some occasions, Shaqiri, you thought, was due to be in the squad at least, and then he wasn't, and something's flared up and ruled him out. Um, so I think there's two respects, really, in which things have been difficult for him at Liverpool and, and have led to this position. And one is, is that patchy injury record. It's... It's not his fault, is it? But then it becomes difficult to plan game time and for Klopp to know when he'll be available. And and that just leads to difficulties in terms of like truly bedding him into the squad. And then there's the tactical aspect. I, I always think back to that game against Southampton yeah. um, season four last where, you know, Shaqiri kind of lit up Anfield in the first half almost. And Liverpool were 3-0 up. He, he, was, he was kind of attacking toward the force, but, but it was a bit of a mad game. It was a pinball game. Southampton could easily have got one or two. And then... He went off at half-time, clocked something, uh, but did did kind of say it was all for tactical reasons. There was no injury, which, which I suppose was good because he wasn't injured, but you know, he was trying to kind of impose a bit of discipline on him and perhaps that's slightly been beyond him. Um, and I, I think given Liverpool have been a bit more brittle in defence this season, I think we've, in the league they've almost conceded as many goals at this point as they did in the whole of last season, which obviously isn't isn't terminal and, and <laughs> hasn't, hasn't stopped them being 25 points clear at this stage. But... You know, when you've got time without Alisson, without Fabinho, I, I can understand from Klopp's perspective why Shaqiri would have been a bit more of a risk in general. Um, yeah, and then obviously, I suppose, if you look at the likes of Minamino, who's come in, Curtis Jones knocking on the door, there's, there's others there when, when you're faced with the decision of, does Shaqiri get half an hour, does he get a start, or do I play my, my new signing or my, or my young prospect? It's it's difficult, isn't it? But, yeah, I think, I think even if he does leave, he's played... 40 games for Liverpool, I think he scored seven goals. A £13 million man who Liverpool, even in the current climate, maybe this is in doubt, but you think they might even still make a profit on. I think that's pretty good going. And and he can't really have any complaints, can he? You know, he's had a great international career. He's, he's won the Champions League twice now with yeah. Liverpool and with, and with Bayern. Um, and, you know, he's as we said, he's, he's 28. He's age-wise, he's still at his peak. So um, I think he'll he'll go, he'll leave with, with all all the best will in the world from Liverpool and he'll still go and play at a high level somewhere. Certainly will. Just a final one, we've just been talking about a player who's more than likely set to leave Liverpool, but this is about a player who could be 
set to return. You know, it, it was a, it's a big story. This it kind of got overshadowed yesterday by the latest yeah. developments from UEFA that we spoke about at the start of this podcast. But it's it's about Loris Carius, who's a Liverpool goalkeeper. He still is a Liverpool goalkeeper. <laughs> Sounds strange to say <laughs> that, given he's not been in the club for the best part of two years. He's been on loan at Besiktas in Turkey, and it, it doesn't sound like he's in the best situation. No, it's a, it's a mad one. So claims made by, uh, I won't try and pronounce his name, but, but a Besiktas <laughs> board member, um, which, which came out in the Turkish media, as you say. And yeah, so Karius has apparently filed a complaint to FIFA over issues around unpaid wages, which, as you say, is, is, is quite a serious thing. And, and he wants to terminate his contract there as soon as possible, apparently, uh, according to this story. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, there were similar issues, I think, around this time last year. There were reports of, of wage issues and and apparently four four months owed wages, um, and that eventually got resolved. And obviously that that was last season or the end of last season, and he stayed another season. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there was always going to be some kind of impasse at the end of this deal because he, he signed this like this this loan spell um, that was due to come to an end. And Liverpool got a little loan fee, and then now you know at, at this point at the, at the end of this summer, the Shikhtas had to buy him. For just just over seven million, I think it was, if certain performance criteria were met. Uh, but whatever they they were, whatever was built into it, it, that clearly hasn't been met. And I think it's kind of now become an optional deal. If they want to take him, they can. Uh, whether whether that's for seven million or not, I'm not sure. But but the likelihood is he's, he's going to come back to to Melwood. And um, and you'd imagine, like you said, we know that that's going to be a brief return. I wouldn't have thought he, he, Liverpool would be looking to keep him beyond this summer. Um, but I, I, I think in general, you can't help but feel for him. I think no. this whole loan spell. At the time, after obviously what happened in the Champions League final and, and, and what have you, it, it looked like a good move and um, potentially somewhere where he could go, get his head down, stay out of the limelight and, and rehabilitate his career, really. You know, he's still still a young fella, um, could could absolutely have a, have a decent career in the game still. Um, but like I say, it hasn't, hasn't worked out like that. It's been a turbulent spell. And despite the fact he's played more than 60 games, it's, there's always been an issue here or there, whether it's this off-the-pitch stuff or, you know, I don't think he has totally covered himself in glory on, on the pitch. There's always a, a video every couple of months doing the rounds of, a, of an error, uh, you know, the, the, the likes of which we've seen at Liverpool. So, so yeah, you hope this gets resolved, certainly in terms of, of wage issues, which is significant for footballers as it, as it would be for anyone. Um, and then, yeah, you just hope whatever his next move is, and it's very, very unlikely to be remaining at Liverpool in the long term, that it goes a bit better for him. Agree with that, mate. That's all for today's Morning Bulletin. Thanks very much for joining me, Sean, and thanks for listening at home or if you're at work. Uh, the Analyzing Anfield lads will be back this afternoon with their latest podcast and just keep an eye on the Liverpool Echoes website for all the breaking news. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.